Hi, good evening. Welcome back to Unpacking Life or good morning or afternoon, wherever you are or whatever time it is when you're listening. I am your host, Annie Mark, and this week I have Mr. Chaz on the podcast. If you guys have no idea how excited I am, I can't tell you. So I've followed his work for a while. And I know I say this most times, but when I tell you I follow him, I follow Dr. Mr. Chaz for a while. I love everything he stands for. I love the fact that he's bringing gentle or conscious parenting, parenting hacks, tips, whatever we want to call it. He's given it to us and he's given it to us real every time. So welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on this week. Uh, well, I'm happy to be here and I hope I can help some people out there or expand perspective a little bit. Yes. Um, something that you can kind of take with you and after you're finished listening to this podcast, you can apply it either with your kids or in life because a lot of things that I talk about don't just apply to parenting or to kids, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely. And before we get started, I would love for you to kind of just give them a little hint of who you are, what you do, where can they find you on social media or your yeah. platforms? Yeah. So I'm a previous Montessori teacher, an educational specialist who was uh, working with, uh, worked with many different schools and parents and uh, my role um, before investing more time into becoming a parent coach and doing all these things I'm doing on social media, the podcast and all that other stuff um, was an educational specialist. And my role was pretty much to teach teachers to teach. And I went to um, different schools. I was in charge of the education portion of 10 different schools, um, early childhood facilities. And I would support them and do 101 million other things as well. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, and I started a couple of years ago, I guess kind of beginning, it's weird to say a couple of years ago, but beginning of pandemic um, yes. is when I started to share the information, all the lessons that I had learned working with families and teachers and kids. Um, I started to share that information online through TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It turned into a podcast where I also introduced people to, you know, uh, other experts kind of in the field. And we have very meaningful conversations. And um, that's the podcast is really great because it allows us to dive into a little bit more nuance than yes. what I can get into with the one minute TikTok video. Although I do try to get into some nuance in the one yes. minute. Absolutely. Um, I'm, told, I'm told that I, I do a pretty good job. The, there, there's nothing like having a one hour conversation like we're about to have right now. No, the, the, the conversations are great. Even the one minute reels that you're giving us, they're absolutely amazing. And I hope that the audience will dash to your page after they listen to this, because just like you said, they'll get a lot of information and it's like it's an ongoing thing. It's not a one off. So that's what I love. And I love that you said you started in the pandemic, because I think that's the time when a lot of us were stuck at home and believe it or not, that's the time that you kind of get to understand your kids a little bit more because pre pandemic, we wake up and we had this routine where we just get up and we move and we send them off to school and they're like the teacher's problem for the few hours that they're there. So I think being home with them, it was perfect timing for us to have um, content like yours for sure. So yeah. to get into it, um, I think my first question I want to dive into is gentle parenting slash conscious parenting. Can we define these terms for those who don't actually know what this is? Oh, man. So 
Look, I will say whenever we talk about these conscious parenting, uh, respectful parenting, gentle parenting, you know, peaceful parenting, there's all these, um, there's a new book that came out called Brain Body Parenting by Mona De La Hook. Um, and, you know, I really don't, although I will use the labels to communicate so people know what I'm talking about, I really honestly don't like any of the labels. Um, I think generally what we're doing is trying to understand children and treat them like with respect. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's, that's all it really is. And just being conscious and aware of what we're doing when we're doing yes. it. And so I, you know, I think personally, I think gentle parenting is probably the least accurate um, description of them all, but it is probably one of the most popular uh, yes. descriptors out there. Um, and I don't really, the reason why I don't really prefer the term, the label gentle parenting is because when you're parenting and you're in it, like it doesn't feel gentle. Like when you're trying mm. to hold, you have to hold a boundary, it doesn't feel gentle. You know, we may not feel gentle <laughs> of your body, right? Yeah. And so I think, and I think that's where a lot of people kind of get confused. And mm -hmm. of all the labels I prefer um, and would prescribe to, if I had to put myself in the in a box, mm -hmm. it would be conscious parenting. Conscious parenting. Um, and I like conscious parenting because it's just being aware, being aware right. of what we're doing. And so much of, you know, parenting has been, We've been doing things unconsciously. We've been just passing down these patterns of behavior mm -hmm. that, you know, our parents did or that we got from somewhere else and we just right. consciously, unconsciously, sometimes conscious, consciously and unconsciously, and unconsciously. pass these behaviors to children without actually thinking about the impact of what we're doing um, and, and putting conscious effort in, into to giving them uh, or teaching them and showing and modeling healthier habits of behavior. Exactly. I completely agree with you. And some people will say that this form or style of parenting, some people will say it's a weak way to practice. Um, would you say this is a myth or a fact? <laughs> it's, 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 that's probably the biggest myth out there about it because it really takes, it takes so much, I would say more strength. To, I think so too. To, to, be able to have that self-control to not yes. let yourself just project your emotions on your children because you're feeling you're experiencing frustration or you don't know how you know you're trying to get them just out the door you know right. from point a to point b or to just you know to turn off the tablet or to you know to have dinner and you know, it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot. It takes to a lot. Not just lash out, right? And yeah. that's what we, most of us were raised with. That's what, you know, I was raised with. I was raised with, you know, being spanked and, and mm -hmm. you know, any other things. Um, and it's, although that we may want, like that might be, feel like a reaction to do, right? There's a difference between a reaction and a response. And a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, conscious parenting when I talk about what people struggle and kind of going into this is turning your reaction into a response, right? Right. Your reaction is your, that's just the unconscious, you know, of action that you're having, 
right? right. It's a reaction, right? right? As opposed to a response, um, trying to get people to respond as opposed to react. A response is, is a thoughtful action, right? right? I'm right. thinking, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. Um, and, you know, you've never, I think a lot of people will say, like, I don't even remember, like, getting that mad or I didn't think I was, you know, hitting that hard or right. whatever it was. Um, I didn't mean to say that. That's not what I wanted to say. Yeah. It takes time. And because, again, these were, this is what was programmed into us, right? So for right. us to be conscious of our programming and to do, to move away from our program, to move away and to do something different, that takes a lot of strength. It a does. It really does. I mean, I have days when the kids are doing stuff and I'll just like say, hey, listen, I, this gentle or conscious parenting is is doing my head in today, you know, because it's just yeah. it it takes a lot. Like you, some days you just feel like you're being tried and it's just you're trying to just get through and kind of get through watching the way you're reacting to them. So would you say that our past trauma shows up in the way that we parent um, or what are a few ways that we can watch out for like past trauma in our parenting styles? Yes, the, it definitely shows up because it becomes, you know, so here, here is one example because we're on a, a health coach, health and wellness coach. Yes. So this is one example um, that maybe a lot of people, a lot of your listeners might relate to and maybe never even thought about, mm -hmm. right? Um and you might not even think about it as a trauma. And I don't even, you know, we're not going to get bogged down into like saying that you are traumatized or is a big T trauma or a little T trauma. It's simply, you know, I'm just talking about unhealthy patterns of behavior, right? Yeah. And trying to deviate from unhealthy patterns of behavior and, and model and teach healthier patterns of behavior. Right. One of the things that a lot of us grew up with was like, you know, a happy plate, right? You got to finish mm -hmm. all your food, you yes. know, on your plate, you know, and to the point, and I was raised off of that. And for me, especially like a lot of us who like were raised with the, the, the happy plate, and you got to finish everything. And if you, you couldn't finish, if you didn't finish your food, you couldn't leave the table. You can leave the table. You have to finish your food. Don't waste right. your food. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's hungry kids. There's hungry kids out there that can't afford to eat. You have to finish your food. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Right. And, you know, you didn't even control how much you put on your plate. You no. Know, how you were or anything. And so like, and, 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 and keep in mind before I go into it, like what's important to acknowledge is that a lot of these things were done with all the best intentions, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, I, don't want, I don't want to teach you to waste food, right? And so I want you to eat all your food. I want you to be healthy and keep your weight. So I want you to eat your food. I want you to make sure you get all your nutrition, nutritional values. So I want you, you mm -hmm. have to finish your plate. So it comes with all the best intentions, but what, you know, our parents weren't conscious of um, and what we can now be a lot more conscious of is that when we do that and we tell children to ignore the feelings in their body, the feeling right. of satiated, of feeling you know, content and to just mm -hmm. to keep on eating, we're yeah. disconnecting them from that very important, you know, skill, that very important uh, connection from their body. We're disconnecting yeah. them from their body that is yeah. telling them, you're satiated. You're good. You're content. 
right? And so now we're adults and maybe there's, especially there's a pandemic and there's like, you have a little bit more time on your hands. And you're just eating, you're eating, you're eating. Whatever you put on your plate, you finish. Whatever you order, you finish, right? And, you finish. And, 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 and that's not... That's not uh, the healthiest way. That's not a healthy association with food, right? Yeah. Another, you know, another. A lot of times, in some other families, they may have like restricted food and said that you know you weren't allowed to eat, and that has impact too. And so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. show up at the dinner table. It's your child. Your, you know, a brand. Some, you know, first time mom. You got your two year old, and they say. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want it. No. Right. And then all those feelings get triggered. You're like, what? Hold on. If I would have done that when I was a kid, my mom would have forced that in my mouth. And like, yep. hey, I'm not going to force it in their mouth because I'm going to do better. But I'm. you're going to sit here until you finish your food and you need, you're you going to finish your food. And I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to shame it and I'm going to shame you and I'm going to yeah. talk about Starving kids in, in Africa that they can't even imagine and it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with them. Exactly. Um, and, and, and 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 then you start disconnecting them from their body, what they feel when they the feelings of feeling satiated, right? right. Feel content, right? And so that's just one way. Um, and that's one example in food, but we could also talk about we could also talk about how we even, and this is what I talk about more about emotions, you know, disconnecting them from their emotions in general with all of them. You're fine. Get over it. It's no big deal. Right. And so now a lot of us have become adults and right. Walking around with trauma, generational trauma, actually. And we don't take care of ourselves. Right. Or we ignore Mm -hmm. it. We're fine. We're good. You know, it's no big deal. Right. And we actually have things going on with us. You know, emotions are signals from the body and ignoring them does not make them go away. And actually when you learn to just ignore emotions, power through, power through, power through, it doesn't like those those feelings don't go away. They get they get stored in the body, right? Right. right. It impacts it. That impacts your health and your immune system too. Mm-hmm. If you're just pushing everything down, pushing everything down, and you don't know how to, you don't have someone. You don't know. You don't know how to. You don't have someone to co-regulate with you to, you know, express your feelings to and to navigate the situation and just 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 express it, right? Just to right. name what we're feeling, right? That can be healthy, but. Instead of like, no, we're fine. I'm good. It's no big deal. Right. And and it just shows up in your body in different ways. Like I, I had a guest um, last week and we talked about that. She's a doctor of chiropractic and a mental health doctor. And we talked about how basically your mental health shows up in your body as chronic pain. You know, it shows up in several ways. So we're sitting here and she talked about patients that will come in and it's back pain or it's this and explaining like the different parts of your life and different things that will show up. You know, anger will show up in your jaw or, you know, she was explaining all this. It's just so interesting to know the connection the body is really connected in that sense and we don't realize it. And the danger and the reason why I wanted to really have you on is because I really love that you're just like you said, bigger than the conscious parenting. It's just a term. It's just a box. But I love the fact that what you're really doing with your platform is looking out for the next generation that we're breaking generational patterns and we're not passing these things on to our kids, you know, 
And we don't know like what their well-being is going to be. The kind of adults that they will become tomorrow is really based off of how we're treating them now, which yeah. is what and is the, go the, even, the... Go ahead. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go even kind of like bigger, even bigger than that. Even because like, well, I mean, I don't have kids or like, okay, that's the next generation. But like for us, to help the next generation and to teach them healthier habits of behavior, we have to learn those healthier habits of behavior and model those true. things, right? And because it's not enough to say, you know, you know, uh, do as I say, not as I do. We have to show right. them. We have to give them examples. And we're not going to be as nearly as good of a teacher in it if we're not doing the work ourselves, right? That's if true. We don't know how to you know, establish boundaries ourselves, if we don't know that's how to true. express what we're feeling ourselves, if we don't know how to take care of ourselves, if, you know, that's true. we don't know these things. And how, how do we expect to teach them? Um, and it's not that you have to be perfect at it, you know, and I think that's my big thing is like, perfection doesn't exist. Avoid mm -hmm. being a perfectionist, be an improvement. The goal isn't to be perfect every day. The goal exactly. is to improve a little every day. And and as you're learning, this might be completely new to you. Like, oh, I, you know, I kind of shoved down my emotions too. Um, so how am I going to teach that? The process of you learning, right, right, is something that they get to see. And, and, yes. and I think there's such a gift in showing that we're not perfect. Right, because yes. it shows that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to hide their mistakes too. We can take them. We can take these opportunities when we make mistakes to learn from them and grow from them. And the only way we can do that is to acknowledge that we're making them, that we made the mistake and we messed up, and you know, try to make the commitment to do better. Now, that That's is true. something powerful to to teach. That the is next powerful. Yeah, absolutely. For your life too. Yes, that is so that that is so apt, and I love that you said that. And if we dive into like kids, we know that like children come with different behaviors and different personalities. So it's not like a one shoe fits all for the kids, but it's being able to understand the little nits and, you know, and then we can figure out how to model it around each child. So if we start like from when they're toddlers and I'm starting there because I have an almost two year old She's running around. She talks like she's 50 years old. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, she know Those how to tell siblings. you no. Yes, <laughs> yes. The older siblings are really like, like when I tell you this kid, like can tell you, I don't want this. Come and take a bath. No, I want daddy to do it. Or I want grandma. Like she, she talks. So what do you say when they're finally moving around? What are tips to how do we approach discipline at this age? Because... Even I'm struggling with this. I mean, she yeah. she's getting into everything. They jump on your couch or they're doing, you know, and they're just yeah. being kids. I know we're told all the time she's just a kid. But at the same time, sometimes maybe you just want to, you don't want kids jumping on your couch. Or like yeah. my kids are making noise in the background right now. They know I'm recording, but they're talking. And, yeah. you know, like what, what do you do? How do you discipline at this age, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about the the couch jumping because you brought okay. that up a couple times, and that's and it's a really good example. It's a really common example. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm gonna break it down for you. And I'm, okay. more than like it's just kids being kids. I want you to like, you know, I want people out there to understand uh, that 
I, I want to just, I want, I want to go a little bit deeper than kids being kids. And then I'll also tell you exactly kind of what to do and how to approach it in a more effective way than what you're approaching it. Because they'll say, get off yeah. the couch, get on the couch a million times. And like, maybe they'll sit, sit back down, but they're right back to jumping on the couch. And there's a very specific reason why they do yeah. that and I'll let you know, and you'll be able to navigate this so much more effectively okay. for everyone. But before yeah. I get there, the reason, especially why at that age and that developmental age of, of around two and two and three, um, that they, they're, I say that toddlers, young children, mm-hmm. intuitively know everything that their body and their brains need to do to grow. Um, mm-hmm. And one of those things is climbing. And the, the importance for a, a toddler to climb is to for their body to grow, for them to mm-hmm. not only um, the the big movements, but also for the smaller movements of their fingers. Because when they're climbing onto things, they are squeezing and that's going to help them eventually hold on, you know, put their shoes on with their fine motor skills and, you know, hold a pencil and write their name and then do all the other skills that, you know, come on after that. And with jumping, it's, you know, children, you know, the CDC says that uh, children under the age of five should be active throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. They, their bodies just need to move. Um, and that's not something that we can, that is, you know, to put it simply, that is kids being kids, but it's right. an internal feeling that their body, it's like yelling and screaming at them, move, jump, mm. play around, have fun, right? And then right. us adults, we're like, don't jump on that, don't do that, you know, don't jump down. And then so that child, that toddler has to kind of like, there's a war going on. Uh-huh. And it's between this toddler's body, when the body is intuitively telling this toddler to do, and what their parent, the, the parent that they love so much is telling yes. them to do, right? And so they have to choose, do I listen to my body or do I listen to my parent, right? And right. they will go back and forth. Sometimes some kids will just unapologetically listen to their body and, and some kids will go back and they try to sit down, but then their body's screaming at them and so they're back, they're up to jumping again, right? Yeah. And so what do we do with this, right? How do we handle right. this? Right. I need, I don't want I need help. I still don't want them jumping off the couch, right? <laughs> so <laughs> what you do, so you you identify, you know that they have this internal need, right? To move around and jump. You mm-hmm. can identify You can see it. You know, even if you're not, I would verbally say it out loud so that they can connect, you know, their feelings in their body. Like they know mm-hmm. what they're feeling. Oh, it looks like you have a lot of energy or like, looks like you want to run around or it looks like you're excited or it looks like you really want to jump, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I would connect with their, you know, with their behaviors communicating because behaviors communication, behaviors mm-hmm. communication, behaviors communication, behaviors communication. So the behaviors communicating that they need to move around because they're, they're jumping up, right? I can identify that you know, out loud, I would do that so that they connected. That's kind of for, you know, their benefit. But they also in that moment, they feel seen like, oh yeah, I do want to run. I do want to move around. I do want to jump. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. And when we feel seen, we're going to be way more willing to listen to what this, you know, whoever, whatever guidance um, is being given to us after we feel seen. This is not just mm-hmm. with kids. This is in organizations and leadership. This isn't your Right. Your relationship and your partner. And if you haven't figured that out yet, then reflect. Um, but but acknowledging that helps her kind of connect that 
into our body. But then mm-hmm. we're going to suggest that she does something else where she can meet that need, where she can mm-hmm. move around, where she can, where she can you know, jump. Oh, I see, you know, you have a lot of energy. Let's jump on the, you know, $50 Fisher Price trampoline we got, or let's jump in the playroom, or let's have a dance party, or let's mm-hmm. run up and down the stairs, or let's, you know, play, put the cushions on the floor and play the floor is lava, whatever it is. And, you know, that, depending on, you know, the situation and depending on what your kind of household like rules you are. Set like, up, yes. Couch is not cool for your house. And some houses, parents don't care. And some houses, parents do care. It doesn't really matter. But if it's, if that is a boundary that you have in your house, cool, but what can they do to meet their need within the boundary? They need mm-hmm. to move. Where can they move? Which kind of brings right. me to my next, like, most important, like, tip. Um, and as okay. So try to help them meet their need in a better way, right? In a more appropriate way. That's, like, tip one, number one. Now, now, tip number two, and this is the thing that is probably – if you haven't even started your journey of like the gentle conscious, you know, parenting, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, this is probably something you're going to, you, you're going to make this mistake because everyone does make this mistake until they become conscious of it. <laughs> Tell children what to do instead of what not to do. Aha. Uh-huh. Because okay. and the reason for it is, right, and will do so audience members you guys willing to play everyone play the game for me real quick and it's probably probably heard this before but for those who haven't heard it we'll do it you guys ready for me to explain ready okay don't think of a pink elephant don't think of a pink elephant don't think of a pink elephant stop thinking about a pink elephant and stop thinking about a pink elephant I'm What's the image about that comes one now? <laughs> All I can you think know, about is a pink elephant. Yeah. Right, right. And of course, and me putting don't, no, stop in the front of what I was telling you not to think about didn't change it. That's what the focus was on. And especially mm-hmm. for a young child and young children by their nature, because their brains are not fully formed yet, um, especially the part of their brain that is in charge of impulse control, they, you know, they're impulsive. Young children are impulsive. And so when you focus on something, you're putting the focus, when you say don't run, you're putting the focus on running. When you say don't color on the wall, you're putting the focus on coloring on the wall. And now you're relying on this two-year-old's willpower, you know, to resist their impulses, right? Mm -hmm. That really you're pushing them towards by saying, no, stop, don't. Instead- Think about like what's what are they in so you know instead of don't run in the house so there's two levels to it you can say yeah walk in the house but i would say connect it with that first tip and like what's where's a place they can get their energy or can they you know have a dance party whatever they, it's just a need for physical activity coloring on the wall where can they color and this is also where like a, a little bit of like a little bit of knowledge of child development can, can help because for a two-year-old specifically, they move with their whole body. They like color yes. with their whole body, and so like coloring with a piece of paper is really yes. difficult for them. You see, they make these those big strokes. They need a little bit of like a larger canvas and a vertical canvas. Just mm-hmm. it just makes so much of a it's so much a easier. And 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 saying color on a you know small piece of paper at the table 
doesn't quite meet the need for a two-year-old. And so there's a little bit of like child development. There's a little bit of, of, of learning about children. And, you know, that comes with the gentle, conscious, respectful, you know, parenting. Um, yes. And I mean, it's like, it's, and, and, you know, that shouldn't be too much of a surprise. You know, if you get a cat, you know, you, you look up like, you learn about cats, right? You get a dog, you you learn about you learn about dogs. If you're gonna get an alligator, you're gonna learn about alligator, exactly, right? Exactly. Um, right. And so there's there's a little bit of just learning about children and where they're at in their in their development and their what's development appropriate. Because um, a lot of times we put children in situations and we're upset because they're not doing something that is completely developmentally appropriate. Like if you expect a two year old to be able to like sit quietly for prolonged periods of time without anything yeah. to do you're setting both very unrealistic exactly yeah. very very unrealistic and so i guess before i even go to the next question i'll based off of what you said i want to say something that i saw on your page which i feel that i want to learn about but i think my audience can learn about and that's where you speak about the three brain states oh yes you know, I saw that and I found that I thought that was pretty interesting. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him, what are those? Help us understand how we can manage the kids through that, because it kind of ties into what you're just saying. And I think it'll tie into what we're going to go into next. Yeah. So um, we want to get super, super, super deep into it, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a crash course and before okay. I do. Um, you know, this is a this is a crash course, and what I'm going to explain is a very simplified version of what's real of what's going on in your in your body. Um, okay. I'm going to speak about the brain, but really the brain and the body are connected and are constantly communicating back and forth to each other. So when I say the brain, um, it's it's also like connected with the body. Um, if you want to learn more about that and you want a book that's like accessible to parents, it's not going to give you too much like jargon or at least translate the jargon. Um, Brain Body Parenting by Mona De La Hook um, is, is a good book and it touches on polyvagal theory and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, we're not, we're going to, I mean, super crash course. So the three brain states and podcasts, a listener is probably can't see this. Cannot see the visual. Now I'm showing this to you. Yes. You have your three brain states and kind of imagine so the, there's the bottom of the very bottom of your brain, kind of like in the very back, and then there's the middle, and then there's the top of your brain, kind of like at the at the front part, right? Where you're for. Right. Um, is your survival state, emotional state, executive state. Now your survival state is your it, they're the kind of three different states that we tend to that we tend to be in. Now, realistically, again, oversimplified version, you can kind of blend in the states, but it is helpful to look at it this way to see where a person is at in their state so you can better um, help them, help them. approach them in a way um, that where you're meeting them where they're at um, and not having expectations that are... Um, not meeting them where they're at in the moment because all of us, like, you know, I don't know a single person that says like, I make the best decisions when I'm mad, upset and angry. Like, no, like there's a, there's a reason for that because of course when you get like really upset, angry, 
part of your brain goes offline and could, could all the resources get pulled into a different direction, right? Mm -hmm. And so you may not be thinking about, you know, logically or problem solving and doing perspective taking and all those things because, you know, resources are being pulled from your from your brain. Right. Um, so let me just give it to you. So survival state, the way that you can tell that someone is in a survival state is they're kind of using their survival skills. Fight, flight, shut down, freeze, fawn. These are the you know survival skills. And you probably mm -hmm. have seen, especially young children, um, kind of go into this state and like throw themselves on the ground. Yeah. You know, yep. Yep. one of the characteristics here is that they're not using any words. Um, and, 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 and the two really important things to know about the brain as I go through this is that the brain, one, develops bottom up. Um, mm -hmm. that, that smart part of your brain, the executive state, isn't fully developed till 25, 26. Um, now, the other thing to know is that the brain processes information bottom up. So that survival state is the first part of your brain to get the information. You get it like less than a second. Um, that smart part of your brain, that executive state, it takes a little bit, uh, it takes more time to get there. Right. So you have your survival state. And then there's your emotional state. Your emotional state, you know, you said you have your um, your two-year-old might sound like, no, I don't want to. Right. That might sound <laughs> right? Yeah. Your four-year-old might say to their, you know, four-year-old friend at, at school, you're not invited to my birthday party. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's like what it sounds like. It is an emotional state, but you, you, you know, they're more likely using words. Right. Right. Um, right. And um, then you have your now. And now for us adults, you know, yeah. we're road rage, like, get over on the other side. You're on the slow lane. You know, yes. insert expletive here. Yes. <laughs> um, and so we all kind of get into these differences. And, and too, like when we're in an emotional state, we are in a survival state, I think, before I even get to executive state, like think about like. Think about when you have received some news, like some bad news, like maybe someone passed away or you lost right. your job or maybe you found out you're going to get a divorce or you were cheated on or, or, or something, right? Yes. Um, you, you have a, when you first find out, let's say someone tells you, right, you have a reaction in your body. Right, that's a reaction. You feel, Devastation. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, and often we're not immediately like ready to you know, come to a logical conclusion about it. And a lot of times we're, you know, we're quiet, right? And so, you know, I said the survival's fight, flight, shut down, right? And always be shutting down. And right. then people will ask, what, are you okay? Like, everything okay? What's wrong? Like, is everything? And then well, what, we, what will we say often? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just processing it. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm just processing it. I'm just processing it. And that is you, your you know, your brain still waiting that that executive state part of your brain, the prefrontal yes. lobe, is they're still waiting to get that you know the information and to process it. Um, and so that part, the last part, the executive state, we you know we see children. That is, you know, when we see children 
and they're more regulated. You know, they might be a little more calm. They're they're playing. Mm-hmm. They're you know working together. They're collaborating. They may even be you know taking turns and they're cooperative when you you know ask them to do something and you know they're, they're, they they want to help you and yes. You know, child that's in an executive state. Um, and it is important a lot of times. And then this is a this is the time where they're you're able to ask more open-ended questions. You know, you're able to have more of a conversation, do more problem solving. So yeah, and they it, could they could respond to you better. They're in a better state to kind of have that conversation, right? right they're more right. calm. Right. Now, where we mess up is a lot of times we try to have the conversation when they're in a survival state, when uh, they are, they're not a really able to process all the things that we're trying to say. Like, and, and it might be something as simple as like they spilled some milk, right? Mm-hmm. And but depending on their experiences in the past with this, they might have a reaction, right? You know, if we've been really good in creating healthy habits throughout their life and they've had a lot of good models around mistakes, then they might spill the milk and say, it's okay, I can clean it up and may be able to remain in an executive state. And that's only Mm -hmm. because lots and lots of experiences of adults around them doing that and having that approach and not overreacting when they spill some milk, right? Right. Now, if they spill some milk and they had a lot of, you know, response like, oh my God, you spilled some milk. How am I going to get this off the carpet? You know, and this is the reaction that they typically get all the time. Now when they spill milk, that, you know, they're like scared of the reaction and they're upset and, you know, they're, you know, they're triggered into a, maybe in a survival state. They sometimes shut down and cry. They're upset. And, and then, you know, we try to get them to clean up. You need to clean up your mess. Right. And that mm-hmm. is not, the best time for you know us to 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 get them to kind of clean up and repair. Now there's time for that. There's definitely time mm-hmm. that they make they spill it. You know they should clean it up, but it's about timing. You know it's about it's about doing the things to help them get to a place more regulated, so that they can spill the milk. I mean, so, so we can clean up the milk. And yeah. what we do is a process called, you know, the, the overall process called co-regulation is we help them regulate, we help them kind of get more for a balanced state. We we understand, you know, we see them, you know, oh yeah, that was frustrating. It fell. Like we regulate them with our or like with with our with our own sense of safety. What I mean by that is you know, they can feel our emotions. Um, and this isn't the only way to regulate, but this is a big way to help a child regulate um, that isn't talked about enough. Um, but it's also one of the hardest things to do is yeah. to regulate ourselves in that moment, right? The milk spills, you might be triggered because of all of your experiences with messes and, you know, and say, oh my gosh, you spilled, there's going to be a mess and oh my goodness, this is, we're going to be late and all, this, and all these things going into your mind. The way to help that child is to, First, calm yourself down. Pause. Right. React. See, you're talking. Bring it full circle now. Pause. Mm-hmm. Don't react. Breathe, because that biologically helps you regulate, helps you move up in your brain. Take a breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. You know, say a mantra. Um, yeah. They're not trying to give me a hard time. They're having a hard time. And acknowledge that you have a choice in how you respond. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. 
you you know respond like you know it's built. You can make the observation. You can you know, and, and just your sense of safety of coming mm-hmm. into that situation with calm will help regulate them. So basically, um, even with the self-regulation, it's not just for the kid. It's even for us. We need to, everybody needs to be self-regulating in this instance is what, is what, is what we need to be doing, right? And the question is, the million dollar question is, how do you learn to self-regulate? Yeah. The way that you learn to self-regulate is by having, well, as a, as a child growing up, is by having lots of experiences with a safe adult co-regulating the adult approaching with it with the adult responding you know and with also modeling when they're getting overwhelmed breathing it's like i'm experiencing some frustration you know right now right just the whole you know there's a you know dan siegel and um tina Payne bryson talk about name entertainment um they wrote a bunch of like parenting books um, but like, you know, they talk about, and a lot of research talks about for us to be able to actually navigate an emotion and to deal with it in a healthy way. The first thing we have to do is be aware of the emotion and to name mm-hmm. it and, and right. to put words to it. And the better we're able to describe what we're feeling and to put words to what we're feeling, the better we're better going we'll to be able to regulate it. To, yes. To, yep. Exactly. Once you identify, then it's easier to to, to regulate because you know what you're working with. Right. Because you know what most, and most of the time we don't. We're in, this is again, full circle again, we're unconsciously respond, reacting. We're unconsciously reacting with our emotions. You spill the milk, Mm -hmm. I'm mad. Oh my goodness. Right. And that's what we do. Right. And, and, and I'm, and what I am helping parents with is to, one note, like to understand and notice, because you may not even knew that yeah. that your overreaction impacts the way that they react to it in the future. That may not mm-hmm. even be something that you were even aware of, right? And so right. become conscious of that and also become conscious of your own, you know, state of awareness and right. you know how you're feeling yourself and how you're able mm-hmm. to take care of your own emotions so you can respond um, in a healthy way because the same things that we get upset about children doing, right? They didn't, some, the world didn't go their way, right? They didn't get the cup that they wanted. They didn't get the, um, uh, they didn't get the to toy. Go they wanted, yeah, go outside, you know, whatever it is. So they, they, they throw a temper tantrum. Us adults do the same thing a lot of the time, right? And with children, like the thing, the world didn't go our way. And so we get upset and we react. Um, mm-hmm. And that is not the healthy, that's not a healthy way to live life. Um, right. So uh, I just want to like really an important thing here is that it kind of goes back to your first question. So that does, you know, conscious parenting, like the week or whatever. It's, what actually helps people do that thing I'm talking about and not just react with their emotions with their partner and, and, and you know in a job you know with their kid is is having the way the way to do it growing up so you don't have to do as much work in adulthood is having an adult who's able to go in those situations regulate it and mm-hmm. being able to 
you're not going to be perfect. Now, this is something else yes. I'm going on, but like, you're not going to be perfect at this and don't expect to be perfect at it. Yeah. No one's perfect at it. And, and that's not even the goal. Perfect doesn't even exist, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. And as you improve, right, you may have a bunch of stuff all stored up in your body from mm -hmm. you know the way that you were raised that is causing your overreactions to the spilled milk and when things don't go your way and you're going to work through that and you're and, and you're going to make mistakes and that's a part of mistakes are an essential part of the learning process for you and for your children and so when you when you go in and you do this and you make and you are you're trying this for the first time know that even when you make a mistake like that is a part of the even when you you blow up you lose your temper you yell you you know do whatever you yeah. revert back to the way that you were raised or you're kind of your default your default programming mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you know shaming yourself and beating yourself up about it will hold you back from it actually improving Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, some guilt that you have for what you did. And there's a healthy level of guilt, but like it's about the action, not you as a person. That doesn't make you a bad, you know, parent or whatever, anything like that. You're human, having a human experience. And, you know, sometimes we flip our lid and, and we blow up and we mm -hmm. yell, we project our feelings when unwarranted or we project our feelings when we don't, we really don't need to. And there's a, there's a better way to do it. And maybe right. you don't know that, know that way yet. You're still learning that way. Like the whole thing with the toddler, like if you don't know that like two-year-olds really need to move around and that's a part of their like development. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, it's like, oh, like why can't you just sit down and like be quiet and, and you don't know the answer, right? And so like the, the big point here is don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake. Even when you make a mistake, that's an opportunity for learning. And then, mm -hmm. like, you can model apologies. Taking yeah. accountability for your actions when right. you messed up. Isn't that something else you want to teach them, too? Right, right. right. Um, right. Out those mistakes, you have less opportunities to, you know, teach about apologies. Now, I'm not saying, like, you know, blow up a yell, you know, do the things on purpose so you can apologize. Those opportunities will present themselves all by themselves. Trust me, you will make yes. mistakes and there will be opportunities I, to apologize. But I think that's so powerful that you say doing, that. Yeah. Even in it's, just doing that, mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. they learn from that too. They grow from that too. And last, 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 last point on this. Sorry. No, no, and you're then, fine. <laughs> and, and then when you know, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to be perfect. You know, you learn your, your teaching, and then as they grow, they have a little bit more tools in their tool belt. You know, they're right. It's a little easier for them to apologize. They know, you know, that when they apologize, they should avoid uh, saying, you know, but because that invalidates what you said before, right? They know to right. you know, not to just up say sorry. You know, you know, sorry oh. that you felt that way and. It is what it is, but an, an apology is actually, you know, an expression of right. Sorry, like I feel bad about that, and you know, they, they'll know that. And with an apology, also comes in a commitment to do something better next time, right? right. And so then, you know, your kids as parents or as a colleague or as a husband or as a wife, they don't have to do as much work 
um, mm-hmm. to teach their children those skills or to, you know, or to, you know, build those skills themselves. They're already at a, they're already at a, uh, they're already further ahead. They're already further mm-hmm. along their journey because of all the work that you put in on improving. And that's so powerful because I think sometimes we find it hard to say sorry to our kids. You know, sorry is like, I don't know, for some of us, it's just really tough. And so I'm so happy that you're saying that because that's a skill that if they are getting used to hearing us tell them we're sorry when we're wrong, that's a skill that they'll take through life. They'll it, Apologies won't be a hard thing to say when you're actually in the wrong. You know, yeah. sometimes sorry is... Go ahead. I, I'm sorry for interrupting. You should go ahead and no, 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 no. You're good. No, no, that, that I I made the point. <laughs> so you so okay. I want to ask. Are apologies kind of like tough for you? Like, does it like when like when you're like, oh man, I should apologize. Like, is that kind of like a hard thing for you to do? So you know what? I'm to be very honest. I've gotten better with it, but okay. yes, it was, there was a time when sorry was like, what am I saying sorry for? You know, right. and it's, 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 it's so sad to say when you look back at, you know, that's the thing about the healing process also is when you're looking back at things, it, when you just tear the pieces and pull those pieces apart, it's like, wow, it's not that I didn't feel bad when I didn't say sorry, but it's that pride and that ego, like, why am I saying sorry? Because I think what my mind was thinking at the time is, oh, you don't want them to know that you're wrong. But then mm. sitting down and coming into this understanding is like, I need to also let them know that I'm human and that I make mistakes. There's no mm. such thing. And you've said that a couple times today. Perfection is not really, shouldn't really be a thing. We need to humanize ourselves to our kids. And I think yeah. that's where... Um, I started to kind of draw that line. And I think even um, it, it would take me to the next thing that I'm saying, just like you said, things that were done to us um, when we were young, if you were spanked and or maybe you hear like an elder tell you like spare the rod and spoil the child, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. They quote the scripture and to justify like why we need to spank these kids. Um, and you hear me all the time say things like I'm a whoop you, I'm a whoop you, even though like. They're looking at my kids don't respect that anymore because I really don't do it. But have I whooped before? Yeah. Well, whooping is not like pow, pow, pow. No, maybe just like a little tap on their bum or something like that. But then you get to a point where it's like, why am I doing that? You know, like what is what is the end goal? Like what is the end result? Because I think what my dad always tells us is that you whoop, you whoop, you whoop, and it's going to get to a point in their life where they're going to be like, okay, what else, what, you know, you're going to whoop me and then what, you know, they get the whooping and then what? So it becomes counter like productive, right? It doesn't make any sense anymore because, oh, I do this, they're going to whoop me and I'll go about my business, you know? So what, go ahead. Ask a question. What are your thoughts on that? Like, because I know for me, that's something that that was a habit that was like unlearned. And again, in my case, it's not like it was, I mean, these are little kids, so you're not like giving the pop out, but there's people who are really actually given like the, you know, pop right? out. Like if you're watching the video, you can see my hand. Like there's people who are actually like really yeah. whooping for real, for real whooping. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like you talk about what I'm talking about. Again, it could be presented as weakness. You know, what I'm talking about, somebody would say there's no impact. You know, they didn't feel it, but it doesn't still justify the fact that it's something that what I know I'm guilty of or was guilty of the most is the yelling. Like I can just, you know, explode and just 
it's like it's too much and i'll just have that explosion where i'll scream or yeah. when you're on the phone and the kids i don't know kids just have this thing like you could probably hear my three-year-old my four-year-old she's come in here a few times and again this is where you can see my growth you know like before i probably would have paused paused and just given her like listen like i'm telling you but i'm getting better because i noticed that when you're on the phone or when you're busy doing something that's when they want to come and have a conversation with you so it's yeah. either one of two reactions in my case it's either i completely ignore you or i yell and i know when i yell my husband will be like you know there's you don't know the impact you're given like when somebody comes to ask you something how about you set a timer with them and say hey mommy's coming back to do this just give me five minutes and make sure you honor your five minutes or you know so that way they don't feel that rejection like i'm coming to you and you're just screaming at me or you so i'm working on that so for me my own healing comes with just not screaming you know because i literally would just have those moments where i'll just explode and you know i've had my parents you know like hey calm down my husband calm down or you know so i'm know that i've been working on that but what do you say to parents who feel spared a rod and spoil the child spared a rod and spoil the child because that's one that i really don't i don't know i don't thing, condone <laughs> yeah first thing about the that that phrase spread spare the rod spoil the child that like it actually refers to the, the rod is the rod the staff is actually meant to guide the sheep right imagine uh you know trying to herd a group of sheep by hitting them like that's mm -hmm. not going to work right mm -mm. you guide them right? right and you you and for that you have to create a sense of safety with them for them mm -hmm. to follow right mm -hmm. you don't just kind of beat them into submission right and that's not right. so first of all like that is that's a that's a misinterpretation of it um second of all with uh, even without that, uh, it's not everyone's religious, but I know a lot of people really lean on that. Um, mm -hmm. the spanking, like you were saying, the spanking, it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. Right. On top of a lot of other things, it never it, just, it doesn't solve the problem. Like for example, we'll give the example of the the two year old who is jumping on the couch, right? And you spank the child for jumping on the couch or the three-year-old or four-year-old, whatever it is, mm -hmm. jumping on the couch. You still have not given her a way to meet her internal needs to mm -hmm. move around and jump in a better way. You mm -hmm. just said that don't do this. This is a young child who doesn't know how to meet their needs in a better mm -hmm. way, in a healthy way, in this environment, in this world that we brought them into. And instead, we've just hit them for not meeting our expectations instead of guiding them in how to, you know, meet our expectations and to stay within the boundary um, that we're setting. And so, you know, that's that's the thing, even outside of like, you know, like like spanking and, 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 even, and even like harsh punishments and things like that. It's, you want to actually identify what the problem is and solve mm -hmm. it. Um, and, and because if you don't get to the behavior, so think about like a behavior, it's like a, we call it the behavior iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. The behavior is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's just what you see is what you observe. There's often many things happening underneath 
that behavior iceberg, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might be that they're hungry. It might be that they, you know, haven't had uh, been able to go outside at all that day, that they have this need to move around and jump, that they, you know, uh, want to connect with you, that they have this need for connection that they want to meet. It could be that they don't know how to get their toy back in a better way. It could be that they're overcrowded and they don't know how to communicate. It could be that they're overwhelmed with emotion and they don't know how to express themselves or solve the problem in a different way. Just like, Mm -hmm. so just like you, you know, talking about yelling, right. You know, the, you know, spanking someone for their behavior is like just saying, you know, you're bad. Don't do that. Like yeah. that wouldn't be helpful for you. If I wanted you to change your behavior and I want mm-hmm. to help you change your behavior and move away from yelling, I would ask you about like what those situations are when you're yelling and you're frustrated and like, what are the, what are those things? What are those times is a certain time of the day? There is it transitions. You can't get them from point A to point B. Is it because they're not eating their food? Is it because you feel like they're not respecting you? Is it because you don't feel heard enough? Like what mm. is that thing first? And right. it kind of like, that and then you know we'll work from there if you don't know you know if there's like oh man like i just don't know how to a better way to get their attention you know we'll we'll talk about that or like i feel like they don't they don't hear me you know we'll talk about that but if Mm -hmm. i you know one it takes time to actually understand what that is um and so like, you know, spanking is like, you know, spanking is a kind of a quick, you don't have to understand much about the behavior to spank other than that you don't like it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, you spank them for it. And what I am suggesting and coaching and talking about is, is requiring you to do more work than I just knowing that you don't like it and, 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 and spanking them because of it. Right. Um, and, and even people are like, well, you can spank and give lectures. You know, you can spank, give a lecture. <laughs> Someone comes yeah. like, oh, y'all are just doing it wrong. You first, you spank, then a 15 minute length <laughs> and lecture, then you talk, and then you give a hug. Yeah. Right. And first of all, nowhere in that are you understanding well, kind of that is child at all. Two, like your lecture, it's, it's all like you lectures, it's all just you. talking to just them. There's no back and forth. You know, right. three, three, after you after hit you someone, hit someone, they don't feel they don't safe feel around, around to talk to, talk to you. you. Like, exactly. From you, like, like, you, like, like you're just, just now that I have to hide stuff. Like, you're not a safe person for me to talk to, for me to trust my feelings, for me to, because I'm afraid of Like, you, you're instilling, you know, part of the reason is you want to instill that fear. Fear is not, does not have, now this might, this and people are like what? Fear doesn't have. It should not be the basis of any of our relationships. That's true. That is so true. That is so true. Because that takes away that the the safety and what actually ends up happening a lot of times. We think like we actually create more behaviors that way because they become in a more alert state. You never figure out what's going on because. You know, no, they're, they're as, the older they get, the better they get hiding at what's going on and lying and all those things. Yes. Um, and there's, there's never, never an opportunity, opportunity to really collaborate, collaborate and, and, and 
because there was that, that barrier of fear uh, that we have intentionally instilled in them to get some short-term compliance. Uh, and, you know, what are you going to do? Because you were kind of like alluding to like, I asked, like, what's your exit plan? What's your exit plan? Like, at what point do you start? What's the end goal? Another fear technique. It's like, ah, I'm just going to take away the cell phone. or I'm just going to, like, punish or ground them and punish them and whatever. But, you know, like, when are you able to... You're going to have so many less opportunities to openly communicate with them and to actually help them with their struggling with when they're, you know, when... They are go to their first party, and you know someone is you know they have a choice to you know uh, get in a car with someone who's been drinking or call you. They're like, what's gonna what's they're going to get in the car with the person who's drunk because they're going to deem it as safer than calling, than calling you. That's true. That's true. You know why we were growing up and we always say. You know, the pre- the preacher's kids turn out to be the worst when they grow up. <laughs> you know, you hear that joke all the time because you feel like they grew up in a home where they were so restricted, right? Oh, you right. can't listen to Michael Jackson, for instance. No, no, no. And then they go out and turn out to be like the Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just human, <laughs> human nature to do what we're told not to do. And I think that's... um. That's the fear that I have in raising kids is being able to have that balance where, like you said, I want to be that safe space for them. I want to be the person that they can come to and talk to in different stages that they're going through, whether they're younger now and expressing their emotions to me or getting older. And like you said, getting to the point where they were dating and things like that. Because to be honest, like with me, dating is not a conversation I was having with my parents like it's it's not are you no we don't talk about that you know and then also culturally being african like it's a no-no the only conversation we're having is when you're getting ready to be married that's it nobody want to know about your boyfriend this question who did you learn like kind of like dating norms and stuff from like what did you where did you learn that honestly all we knew, for instance, we knew boundaries like you're, you're not going around, you're not sleeping around, you're not talking, you're not dating. And so like, yeah, if you had like the boyfriend in high school, you best believe that mommy and daddy didn't know about that. And it's so funny because now like I know with me and my siblings, we have those conversations with our parents now because I feel like the, that's why I said in another episode with somebody else was that when people say what, what happens to people that have kids that are grown? I said, well, you still need to have those conversations with your parents, because even if your kids are out of the house, your kids will become parents. And you want to make sure that even as a grandparent, that you're not taking what you did wrong with your kids to your grandkids, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that's the space where we're in. Like with me, Mm -hmm. I want to talk to my kids about safe dating relations. Because I mean, what did I know? I just, I guess I learned that stuff from watching maybe Sister Sister, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? And and, and that's that's the punch and that's 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 the big thing, thing, right? right? And that's that's why I asked the question is like, then children are left to their only other option is, you know, Sister Sister or whatever. Yeah. you know. Years, right? Their friends who also don't know anything, right? Who haven't had that life experience and there's so much more of a conversation exactly. that can be had if you actually have, if you feel safe enough 
to have that conversation. Because true story, like even when I was getting married and I was getting engaged, I'll never forget, like even to bring this conversation up to my dad, oh my goodness, it was like such a thing as me and my mom and my cousin and somebody is saying, oh, we have to prepare him this really nice meal today so he can be relaxed. We'll be there with you. Then you can tell him and all of this stuff. It was like a whole thing. And then that day, it was Sunday, I came into the living room. He was upstairs. My mom came in. My cousin was like overseas, but she called on the phone. And literally my dad was like, I don't know if he was his fifth eye or his sixth sense. Something kicked in and he just told my mom to just leave. He's like, whatever she needs to tell me, she can tell me on her own. And the minute my mom walked out, I just bust out crying. And you can imagine like I'm 20, what, 25, 26. And to have a conversation, I was like terrified, you know. So that's the, that, those are the things that I feel like these kinds of conversations will help us with really, I don't want my kids to be scared to have those conversations, especially in the world we live in today. I want to be the first person to tell them about these things because the way the world is right now, if you don't teach them at home, best believe they know about it. It's just like when we talk about even accepting people and, you know, inclusion these days with different kinds of people and sexual orientations and things like that. You feel like, wow, your child doesn't know anything about it. But then when you hear my daughter explain to you every single kind of gender or non-gender or whatever in between, it's like, wow, I didn't, we haven't even gotten to that part at home, but she knows. And that's the thing is it's better to have those conversations with them at home than for them to lend it from somewhere else. Because just like you said, if not, if you're not their safe space, they'll get in a car with somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? And then what do you do at that point? It's, it's, it becomes, um, all your efforts become useless. So thank God that we were brought up in a different time where maybe what the kids know, like what my two-year-old knows now, maybe I didn't know that when I was her age, you know, where they're so much more advanced. The, the, the generations after us are just, they're learning so fast. So we really have to unlearn the patterns that we're used to to train us when we're growing up. We yeah. have to. If not, we're setting them up for something terrible. Yeah. And, you know, my hope in this, like my hopeful message is that along with all of this and like it's all this information and social media and all this stuff and kids are learning a, a lot more and they're yes. inundated with a lot more that, you know, us, you know, us adults also have the opportunity to to learn learn more and to learn, you know, know, to unlearn some of like the older, you know, unhelpful unhelpful ways. Yes. Not to say that everything, you know, traditional is bad or anything. No, no, that's not it. Be conscious of what you're doing so that you can identify what are the things that like are like are are healthy or good. And like one good example, one example that I give in terms of like just identify that like, you don't have to like necessarily throw out all the traditions and stuff like that. No, absolutely not. You know, so one, so like Christmas is one example, right? Uh, a lot of people have the uh, traditions of like the elf on the shelf. Pretty much, with the, you know, it's the whole like the naughty or nice and like Santa's watching you all year to see things naughty or nice. We're going to put an elf on the shelf to watch you in your sleep and to watch and surveillance you. And then you're going to get presents based off of your What the elf says. Yeah. We can, you can still celebrate, you can still do Santa and celebrate Christmas and put the elf 
up on the shelf and, and it'd be fun without all of the like uh without all that punitive like language labeling of naughty or nice you can keep your tradition but just kind of but delete the toxic parts of the tradition exactly exactly it's so like just you know it, it takes some time to learn and to understand and you know it's a journey it is and I would say that, you know, parenting, it didn't start with you. It's not going to end with you. You're picking up from where your parents left off and your kids will pick up where you left off. You left off. Right. Um, and, and even, you know, even when you pass away, I like one last analogy. I think about like the iPhones, right? You may have been raised in a generation of, you know, pagers, right? And you're trying this, you know, you're learning, you have this new information. There's so much research that's come out, especially like involving the brain in the past 20, 30 years. So we have new information, kind of some like new technology, and we're trying to, we're applying that. And it's like the first iPhone, right? So it's a huge step. It's a huge innovation. Right. And, you know, some people may have jumped from a pager to an iPhone. Some people may be jumping from a Blackberry to an iPhone. Right. Right. It's still a huge innovation. You should be really proud of yourself for taking this step. Every little step. Yeah. And I definitely don't even want to. The fact that you're even consciously making this decision to do something to do something different than what your parents did, that's huge. Right. I don't want to minimize that. And it's not going to stop at the first iPhone. We're going to build off of that. There's going to be a second generation, and it's going to build off the first generation. It's going to build, and the third generation is going to build off the fourth generation. It's going to go on and on and on and on and on. And so all those like features, all those improvements made in between, they weren't perfect. I don't know. Let's say the iPhone, the first iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like, well, the iPhone I have now is perfect. That's an amazing one. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 great. I think I like it's, it's doing what it needs to do, especially during the time. Exactly, it's not perfect. But it, I am confident that the next one, next one, will improve, and you know, in ten years, we'll have even more of an improvement. But that's because each generation is building up. Is building up. Yes. And to just to add to that, even as I'm trying to um, round up, to add to what you're saying, it's something that I also say with my clients, right? Especially when it comes to diet and with nutrition and you want to lose weight. I always tell them, I said, if you're coming to me for a quick fix, I'm not your, I'm not your coach, right? I'm the coach who believes in slow and steady wins the race. So I always try to tell them I'm more about shifting your mindset and remembering that it takes what, like 21 days? For something to for you to form a habit, so I rather you lose one pound a week, which seems like nothing, but yeah. hey, in a month you're four pounds down. That's yeah. easier to sustain long term and keep yeah. that weight off versus like ten pounds in a week and then in two weeks you're like twenty pounds up because you ate everything you missed and and yeah. then some and then the stress, you know. Yeah. So I always tell them like hundred percent is the goal. But is it realistic? How about we cut it into half and say 50% is the goal? And maybe when you get to 50% and you see how far you've come from zero, then it feels like, oh, wow, 
I maybe I want to get to 60 or 70, then you're now yourself motivated to get to the next level because you see how far you've come. So just adding to what you're saying, it's, it's a build up. It's a building up that gets you where you need to go. Right. And on the health thing too. So like, I say there is no destination. There's only the journey. Right. Because once you, I guess, you meet your goal, let's say you're, you know, let's say you do have a weight goal, but you also want to be healthy and whatever it is. So let's say you're 300 pounds and you want to be at a healthy 250, 250. Right? And so you make, so you, you let's say it takes you a year, right? You're, you're slow burning, or maybe it takes you two years, right? Slow work of a man, 50 pounds in a year. It's a lot. Yeah. Let's let's say it takes you it takes you two, three years. You meet your goal. However long it takes you. You're alive. So you still gotta keep going, right? Exactly. Stop there. Right. And that's the same thing like you know with with parenting, but I would say add it because at some point. Yes. yes, your body, your body will, will leave the earth. earth. You, right. you know, your body, body will, will run, run out. out. But the, the impact on your parenting will never go away. You're not just raising your children, raising your children's children. Raising your children's children. That's um, true. You're talking about, you know, the you know impact that you have, and you're apologizing and like, you know, and I'm sure. You know, you talk to your parents and they can tell you stories about their parents and kind of where they got that from. And of course, their parents were alive. I'm sure they could, they could tell you stories, about, you know, their parents. Yeah. And so, like, it, it never stops. And that's why the conversations are great. Yes, this is this has been. Wow, I've learned so much. I've gotten so much perspective from you today. This has been. I knew it was going to be a great conversation, but. I think you exceeded like my expectations way, 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 way over. I'm so happy you took the time to educate me, educate my audience, and just honestly bring your perspective to the table. It's been a joy today to just have you on. Thank you for doing this. It's been, it's been a joy, a joy to, be to be on and to share, to share uh, this knowledge with the world. And I hope it impacted someone out there. And please, if you want to learn more and you want to kind of just add me to your social media uh, feed. Uh, my name is Mr. Chaz. I'm going to shout the two Z's, so it's M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. And it's Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz on TikTok. It's Mr. Chaz on um, Instagram. Instagram. Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz on Facebook with the space. On Facebook, it has a space. So um, that's where you can find me. And... I'm going to have my podcast, podcast, Mr. Chaz's Leadership Leadership, Parenting and Teaching Podcast. And I got got some, hopefully, even more kind of things and projects that will benefit you. But it was great to meet everyone. And I hope you have a great day, a great life, and enjoy your journey. Thank you so much. Please follow Mr. Chaz. Like he said, he's listed all his social media handles. His content is truly ace. And you guys know I do not lie. I try to get you guys the best in the game to educate you every week. And until next week, we'll unpack another topic here. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.